listening to the Lance J Radio Network HealthCast. We are, so I have a partnership with, with the RISE Association and we're going to be doing some events this summer for the healthcare wing of, of the empire, so to speak. Now, you ladies don't know, I used to do a lot of road shows at chicken joints. Um, and this is when I was first coming up in radio. And they would pay me in buffalo wings. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get paid to do it, but they would give. I get all of the buffalo wings and beer that that I wanted. Um, and we would. I would have a DJ out, and we'd be at Dave and Buster's, and, and we'd be we'd be talking sports and, and have people coming in. So this is the first time, and you ladies are the first people I've interviewed since I haven't interviewed because we because of COVID. I've been relegated to doing most of the interviews in my studio. And just one at a time. But uh, being a fully vaccinated individual is my first foray out in public. So I am uh, very, very happy to see John Gorman walking by. Very, very happy to have these two ladies. So I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. And then we're going to talk a little bit about healthcare, a little bit about social determinants of health. So, so thanks a lot, ladies, for, for coming on. Introduce yourselves. Yeah, thanks for having us, right. James. Uh, hi, my name's Elise Fritz, and right. I work with Conseo Sano, and I uh, have also I've been coming to these RISE conferences for years and right. uh, actually uh, got connected to James through the risk adjustment days. We've been going, you called me back in the Highmark days and, and in the yeah. Arizona days, you try to sell me charts and NLP. <laughs> And, and all of that, all of that stuff. Now, how did you, how did you get into your current role? Because you're not, you're not in the chart business anymore. Yeah, yeah. Are you still in the chart business? Uh, no, no, oh, no, okay, no. Yeah. Yep. So I have been in member engagement uh, for yeah. probably like the last five years. And what really drew me to Conseo Sano was their mission, which is to drive all health right. equity. Because right. um, I'd work for other member engagement companies, and um, I really just loved everything that Conseo Osano was doing by looking at each member through the lens of culture. So, um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, happy to be here and uh, happy to be My working pleasure. with great people like Kim, who's yeah. also with me. All right, Kim, so introduce yourself, uh, Ms. Howell. Great, thank you. Hi, I'm Kim Howell. I'm the All VP right. of Growth at Conseo Osano. All right. All right. Um, um, really nice to meet you. Glad to now, be here. Now, Conseo Osano, is that a startup? Or tell us a little bit about your company and and just the genesis and and the growth and and, and what you've done i mean you're the vp of growth so it's the <laughs> yeah happy to so um we're, we're technically a growth stage company now we're a little right. little bit growing out of our startup title all right um but we're really happy to work with all five of the top plans in the country right nice. now and many many others and health systems too um, and so we've grown exponentially but especially through the pandemic nice. um you know i think there's been a lot of 
um, sort of attention given to the different cultural nuances that um, have really just been in the spotlight and the people that really need the support. Awesome. And so, um, yeah, we, we've done a lot throughout um, the pandemic, both as it relates to the coronavirus and the vaccine, but also, you know, closing those care gaps for people who really need help, um, who may not have been taking care of themselves or who All may right. have had other concerns, um, you know. And that's, that's such a major issue because people have been deferring care because of the pandemic. Now, at the beginning stages of the pandemic, providers were closing their doors. They were, they were basically saying, I remember when I had COVID and called my doctor and said, hey, I have the symptoms. I'm pretty sure that I have COVID. I don't feel like I'm, my life is threatened, but I want to come in and see a doctor. He basically told me that if I could breathe, not to come in. He said, he said, if you can't breathe and your extremities start turning purple, then go to the ER. He said, other than that, we have nothing for you. People got into a rut and just used to not going to their doctor. So now you're now you're 18 months into this thing, and people that need to have screenings, people that need to see um, their their chronic care provider, specialty provider, they they just have not done it, and you're starting to see some downstream impact from that. Now, tell us a little bit about Conseo Sano. Is that did I pronounce it right? What exactly do you focus on? Are you an analytics platform? Or are you uh, are you uh, do you do are you a full risk entity or are you a provider group? What what does your company do? What do you what is your core competency? Yeah, so our, our core competency is uh, really the the cultural building cultural competency, and uh, so we want to create that best in class member right. experience. So this we're looking experience. at it from like okay, how can you start building that and establishing that member relationship right. and building that trust. So right. we we want to start with a strong welcome, get people, like a lot of people just don't know aware, like they're not aware of a lot of benefits they have with their plan. So like, let's say um, they need to get to their doctor, but they don't have transportation, yeah. but there's like a lift benefit. Yeah. They just don't know about it. So it's like, yeah. how can we drive awareness, utilization to those benefits that plans have invested so much money on? Yeah, and, that's, and I've been on the other side of yeah. that plan. I mean, I've been, I've been places that put the the lift benefit in and, and I've been at plans that didn't have a transportation benefit and work with actuaries and the bids to make sure that that they're in. Now I'm I'm curious there are people listening. So my my audience is mostly Nashville based on, on WVOL fourteen seventy, the mighty fourteen seventy here in in Nashville, but we do have affiliates around the country. I'm curious of your thoughts. Organizations like yourselves are doing work that's needed in the community and introducing people, like you said, letting people know what benefits they have, what options they have. We're at a social determinants of health conference. Now, we've all, I've been working with you at least for a long time. SDOH wasn't a term that was really used much five years ago, seven years ago. Why is it so important for organizations to really get into the SDOH side in parallel with risk adjustment and STARS and HEDIS and all the operational stuff, claims, all of that boring stuff? Why are we shifting and pivoting focus into the social side now? Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to get people to go in and uh, get a breast cancer screening or do whatever you're trying to get them to do. Um, or be adherent to their medication if they can't, if they, if they don't have a place to live. I mean, right. like, it's like, let's, um, let's get, let's focus on the things that people need. Let's 
get them fed, let's get them shelter. And like without doing those things up front, how can you really expect people to do the other stuff that they need to do? No, that's so. a very good point. Your thoughts, Kim? Yeah, I think it's sort of leans back into the hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. So what's the most impactful thing in your life right now? And I don't know if you know this as a former plan guy, but um, plans <laughs> don't have a lot of trust with their members right now. No, no, that. no. I, I, trust me, I've, <laughs> I've, I've administered a bunch of cap surveys, so I know it. I've sat, I've sat in focus groups. It's funny. Um, I won't name the plan that I was at because I don't want to get sued, but I've been, <laughs> they would do focus groups and they bring the executives in. The focus group, we were behind the walls, so they didn't know that we were there. So it's just a regular person that's not even affiliated with the plan is asking people questions about their experience. The executives are behind the glass and can see and hear what's going on, but they don't know that we're there taking notes. And I've been at plans where we were just getting ripped a new one. And we, we thought that we were doing so well and had made so much investments. And then there's some 82-year-old veteran that's vibrant and really embodies as someone that's in uh, Medicare, the type of person that we want to work with in service. And they get up and they're shaking their fists and saying that my experience with my doctor sucks. I, you know, <laughs> I, I did, it was much better at the VA. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, um, you have a very good point. And CMS moving the CAP survey to be basically a third of your star rating. So you can't be a four star if your CAPs are bad. Now, you used to be able to, if you were heatist and you, everyone was adherent, you could still squeak through and be a four star. You've got to have strong CAPs to, yeah. to be successful. So you have to have uh, platforms and partnerships like your company to, to really to really boost that out. So I, I definitely have seen that personally. Yeah, and that, that's what we're really like looking to do because it's like, okay, how can you establish that relationship up front? But then it's like getting them hooked up to their PCP, right. getting them in for their annual wellness visit. And if you do that st kind of stuff up front, like yeah. hopefully all the downstream stuff in that year end gap push just won't happen. Definitely, definitely. So tell us a little bit about, I know that, I know that you guys are primarily in Southern California. Is that is that is that correct? It's not your primary. You're shaking your head no. Or you're shaking your head yes now, Kim. So I can't. I can't. Yeah, we're uh, all over the country. But I know you're in Boston. At least I know that yeah. you're in Portland. So shout out to the to Pacific Northwest. We are in Seattle. <laughs> so our, our show is in Seattle. We're not in Portland. We have we do have some listeners in Portland uh, that follow the podcast. I have I have a lot of ties to Seattle from my time out in in Seattle. But we were talking off air, Kim and. What was really near and dear to my heart, what I love, I'm involved in several measures here in Nashville, um, the African-American, the Latinx, and the rural community, uh, rural Caucasian people. Those are three communities that I believe are really underserved locally here in Nashville. So here in Nashville, you probably have 45, 50% of people that have been at least vaccinated with, with half a dose. You go 60 miles north to Portland, Tennessee, which is more of a rural uh, country area, that rate goes down to like 11%. And you were talking, Kim, about some of the, the work that you're doing in Southern California, uh, particularly in the Latinx and Asian communities, which are large minority populations in Southern California. I want to give you a chance to speak on that because I think just awareness about COVID, I, I have friends that won't take the vaccine, that think that it's the mark of the beast in the Bible, that think that they're going to be a part of the zombie apocalypse, like Walking Dead on AMC, that think that there, there's a video floating around on YouTube where a person gets the vaccine and now their arm is a magnet. So they're able to put a quarter 
and it sticks to their arm. And there's just all this misinformation and disinformation out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about the campaign that, that you guys are doing uh, to really uh, boost the, those communities, underserved communities. Yeah, that's a great segue. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, coronavirus is near and dear to my heart, too. I also right. had it. I'm a long hauler. Yeah. So very um, concerned with making sure that everyone has as much access and information as yeah. possible yeah. Um, to make good decisions. And that's not, not easy because, um, you know, the, the core piece of our solution at Conseo Sano is understanding who somebody is and then creating a journey for them that's unique to sort of what they need. And mm. so, especially as it relates to coronavirus, that is very, very different um, for even just the underserved communities that you mentioned. So we started crafting this solution, um, especially around the coronavirus vaccine for our Latinx communities. We really mm -hmm. leaned into radio stations yep. like this. You know, we know that there's a lot of um, excitement in these communities yep. around getting information this way. Um, it's a great way to. It's a great way to. Advertise. I don't want to plug myself. If you want to advertise the last day show, hit DM me. Find me on. Find me on the gram. Find me on. Find me on LinkedIn. But yeah, it's a great. It's a great way to reach people. That's a great way to reach people. Yeah. So um, the way that that works, though, to your point, for rural, you know, white people like me, like my family in upstate right. New York, and then also for Black or African Americans yep. who might be in more of an urban setting, they're they're just different journeys, and you just can't even consider them without thinking through SDOH. Yeah, I agree. First. Yeah. So the solution that we created and the project we're working on in um, L.A. County, it's a pilot right now with Stop the Spread and Unite Us. Um, what we really wanted to do was figure out if there are any unmet SDOH needs yeah. by leveraging the 15 to 30 minute post-vaccine window to do. Oh, some, that's a great idea. Yeah. So while you're waiting, training. while you're waiting to not go into anaphylaxis. <laughs> <laughs> so you're waiting. When I had mine, I was in my car, which oh. I thought was real cool because all I had to do was stick my arm. I'm afraid of needles, but all I had to do is stick my arm out. And uh, the military police person put the needle in my arm. And then I just drove over and I sat and was listening to the radio or listening to some music. And you get that window. So you're saying that you take that window where people are waiting to see if they have any adverse reactions to engage with, with clients. I think that's a fantastic idea. It's fantastic. Yeah, we hired one of the keys to that, too, though, is understanding that, um, you know, my, my rural upstate New York background, I would not be the person that should be going to this clinic and trying to convince people that they should tell me what they need. Right. So we hired community <clears throat> health workers from Great. the communities that we serve. Feet on the street. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and we've, you know, we've only been live for a little while, but we've got some great results already. Right. Um, a lot of the data that we're getting from this is a lot cleaner, you know, than we normally see on the health plan side right. or that comes from the state. Um, and then once someone completes an assessment, when we reach out with our culturally competent um, team, they're actually then kind of, we've earned their trust and they're yep. telling us what else they need. So Definitely. typically our needs assessment forms just kind of list the top need and then we have a conversation with them, bi-directional, you know, via SMS or phone call. Then usually we end up finding like 10 or 12 right. more needs that they have. And so we're really grateful for our partners, you know, and unite us and stop the spread. Oh, that's awesome. Um, because that means we can actually do something about it. Which no, is that's the best that's, part. And that's, that's and that's, fantastic. and if I can just add, so that's like Absolutely. a really important piece because it's like th that dignity piece and people don't want to say what's really going on with them because they just don't feel comfortable. So mm -hmm. like you've got to connect people with people that they can trust and where they can really say like, okay, like, yeah, maybe it, I'm food insecure, but like, what are you going to do on the back end to really help me? So mm -hmm. unless you're like prepared to do that, then it, then more just tr trust kind of a road. So um, it's just important to get people what they need to. No, I, 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 I definitely agree. As we, as we kind of wrap up, uh, so I appreciate you ladies coming on and doing a, a fantastic 
segment uh, representing uh, Conseil Sano, your your company. Two questions. First, Kim. So you're the growth expert. What is the what is the end game? Because you said you're out of the startup phase, so you're getting into more of that intermediate phase. What is what is the end game for for your company? What do you what do you really want to establish? What are your goals for the next year, year and a half? We want to support everybody. Oh, nice. So nice. we really started out with a focus on underserved and minority populations, but right. every person who's ever studied marketing knows, like Netflix and Amazon, they want to make a solution that yep. everybody likes, but a certain subset of people love. Right. So we want to be the solution, especially on the engagement side, that everybody oh, likes and needs, but we really want to keep the underserved communities um, at the forefront of that that population that really loves us and what we do. I, I absolutely love that because and it's, it's so funny that healthcare and just all businesses are cyclical. COVID has caused us to really, we always knew that people were underserved. And I'm speaking from the health plan side, we give some lip service and we needed to get the HCC, we need to get the reimbursement. But COVID has caused us to really go in there and actually look at longitudinal solutions. And like you said, you were talking about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. COVID has caused us to really look into the, the holistic management of the members. So I think uh, companies like yours and, and, and what you ladies are doing is fantastic. It's needed in the community. Now, I always say that when I'm talking to hip-hop artists, we talk a lot of hip-hop artists and, and uh, musicians. Well, I say, what's your social? Not your social security, but where, where can we find you on social media, LinkedIn, Graham? Where, where, where do you ladies hang out and where can we find if somebody wants to get in touch with either of you or, or get something about if you're, if you're a potential business partner, a lot of health plans listen to the show, they want to look at something with uh, Conseil Sano. How do we find you and how do we how do we get information on, on the company and some of the offerings that you have? Yeah, find us on LinkedIn. All right. Yeah. Oh, LinkedIn. yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, also, ladies. go Bills. Uh, go Bills. <laughs> now, I'm a sports talk guy. So let's, let's Let's see. Well, I'm not, not going to talk about the big ones. I lived, I lived in Cincinnati. I'm a Miami <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Miami University. <laughs> I'm a proud Miami University Red Hawks graduate. Now they were the Redskins when I was there, but I'm a Red Hawks. I'm a Red Hawks man. Um, so we won't talk about about the the Bengals, but the Bills are pretty good. I'm gonna the Bills, show you a picture. So you're part of, of the Bills Mafia. Bills the Bills Mafia. Loud Mafia very loud. And I very think proud. now we haven't gotten into training camp. I think that the Bills Mafia is going to win the Super Bowl next year. Okay, I honestly, I'll come see you in Nashville. I and honestly we'll think. I honestly think. I I did not like their quarterback. Josh Allen. I didn't like Josh Allen. I said you're drafting someone from Wyoming. You're drafting someone. <laughs> that's not a real school. That's not the <laughs> SEC. That's not the Big Ten. That's not the Pac-12. But he's a monster. And this guy is six seven. Has rocket arm. He's like one of those people that he's in the same built in the same lab that LeBron James was built in. And some of these other freakish athletes, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's built like those guys. So he's really um, proved me to be wrong with with his, with his talents, and and he can play ball. And the Bills fans, as someone that's from the Midwest, that's a town that's starved for for greatness. Uh, those that fan base, <laughs> that fan base is is. Very, very serious. So now, are you one of the people 
Are you jumping through the tables at uh, at Ralph Wilson Stadium? Or are you are you one of no, those? No, actually in front of Gillette. Oh, in front of oh, so you go you go you go right. So <laughs> now, how I does it feel? I'll share it. I'm how does it how does it feel to be on the <laughs> other side of the thrashings? From from New England because you're on the other side of that. I won't do that. They to them, owned even you. They owned tempted. you for 20 years. There's a house. So sure. That's my dog Stefan Diggs. Okay. All right. So you <laughs> named your dog. That's a beautiful dog. Thank that's you. a Alaskan. He's a, Pomsky. a Pomsky. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that the Bills Mafia chipped in for the first class tickets to fly Tom Brady out <laughs> of town. I'm sure I'm sure that there's a huge I'm sure there's a huge celebration. Food security right. um, backpacks for kids. Right, right. Yeah, I, was, uh, I donated to Tom Brady's exit fund. I think I think very highly of Bill's Mafia, their fan base. I think highly of the team and, and they they built you know Josh Allen's turned out to be good. Now you guys on the other hand, at least I don't know what's going on with the Bengals. I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. I love town. It's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. I used to go to a lot of Bengals games when I lived in Cincinnati. Now, I'm a Colts fan, um, but but I don't I don't know I don't know if there are any Lombardi trophies in your future. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. We begin searching for ways to not only feed, not only bridge the access to food, but how can we fight disease? Quite naturally, that required, it was a must that we figure out how to get fresh produce, crisp greens, leafy greens, and fruits and herbs and vegetables directly to the front door of those families that needed it the most. And so, we finally come out with a solution. And we call that Full Cart Fresh. We have teamed up with some of the, the greatest people in America, our American farmers. And through working with a collaborative of farmers across multiple states, we have created Full Cart Fresh. So imagine this, you're at a farm, the produce is picked and prepared, and it's boxed in a Full Cart Fresh box at the farm and then through our shipping and logistics uh, program we ship directly from the farm directly to the front door of the most vulnerable families in america we have got families and seniors and children around the country who are hungry and as well as hungry are really managing and coping with serious illnesses and diseases. So come along, help us. Help feeding children everywhere through our Full Cart program and the launch of our new Full Cart Fresh. Help those families in need. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. I've never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you're definitely from uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shouted out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.